You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Allow me to pray for you right now as we are in the midst of the Eternal Father, the living God who holds our life in the palm of His hands. Let me pray for you. Extend your hands. Come on, open your hands out right now. Let me pray, Father in heaven. I pray for those who are sick at this moment, those who are suffering, those who are experiencing a discomfort in their physical bodies. I pray, Lord, for your healing touch to encourage them to make the pain go away, Lord. I pray that the blood of Jesus would wash away all that pain and all that suffering. I pray for those, Lord, who are alone and, and isolated and quarantined at this moment. I pray for your encouragement, that your presence would pervade the space that they are in so that they would feel that you are there with them. Assure them, Lord, of your love. I pray, Lord, for those who are grieving and weeping over, over a loved one that they lost. I pray, Lord, that you would weep with them you are a God who weeps for us. You are a God who suffers with us. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you would just heal their brokenheartedness, that you would, you would journey with them towards this journey towards healing. And I pray, Lord, for those who need provision right now, financial provision. I pray that the resources that they are praying for, supernatural supply, would, would land on their hands and that resources and, and, and breakthroughs and opportunities would be opened upon them, Lord, so that they can earn and pay for whatever they need to pay for. I pray, Lord, for those who are unbelieving right now, who lack their faith, who are slowly, slowly, slowly creeping in the, the, the doubts of whether they should believe that you are sovereign. I pray, Lord, that you would show them who you are, that a miracle would, would befall them and it would happen this week and this month that they would believe in you again, Lord. I pray that your hand would be upon them each and every time. And I pray, Lord, to those who feel unloved right now, who those who feel unworthy of your love, I, I pray, Lord, that they would realize that you are a God of love and that your love is so unconditional. I pray and we pray, Lord, for all of these things, we combine our hearts as we declare it in the mighty, most powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody who believes that, say amen. Amen, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, you could have been doing something else, but you know, instead you chose to put God first. And for that, I believe that God is not gonna waste your faithfulness. You know, God is too good to waste your time. So wherever you are, I want you to clap your hands right now and give God the praise that He's deserved for all that He's done this past week. Come on, say hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. So good to be in the house of God today. Even if we're online, we're believing that the grace of God is flowing through the screen. I'd like to recognize those who are joining us for the very first time. If you are a newcomer, if you are new to the spiritual family, please type in, I'm a newbie. Come on, I'm a newbie. We'd love to connect with you after the session is done through a Zoom gathering. Come and join us if you are free together with our regular timers. We call them repeaters, all right? So see you 10 a.m. and 1 o'clock p.m. We're posting the link already so you can take it down, but we're also gonna message you because you said, I'm a newbie, all right? But also for the new, for the regular comers, please do join us, all right? We're gonna have a little fellowship right after. And also, I'd like to recognize also the birthday celebrants in this month of September. Come on, if it's your birthday, type this in. This is my month. Amen. Thank you so much for celebrating your birthday with us. It's an honor to be able to pray for you together. Let's pray for everybody, all right? Everybody who is celebrating the birthday, we're going to bestow a blessing on you. So please, open your hand just like this. 
This is your act of surrender to Jesus that you are going to receive his blessing. Father in heaven, we thank you for another year, another life, another opportunity that you have given your child. We don't know the plans that you have prepared for them, Lord, but we know that it's going to be good. Why? Because you are good. You're, you, you're a good God, Lord. And so I know and we know and we believe that it's going to be an amazing life, Lord. We pray for more abundance more openness. We pray that you would enlarge their territories this year, that you would make them realize a specific purpose that they have not yet fulfilled, that they would always walk in your favor and in your grace and in your direction. Thank you, Jesus. Bless them this year. Bless them so abundantly that when people see them, they would know that they have a God who blesses them. Ah, oh, so good. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy birthday again, everybody. God bless you. From Brother Bo and I, we wish you a happy, happy birthday. Virtual hug. That's, a, that's our gift for you. <laughs> anyway, you know, after a four-week tour of the book of Mark, you know, we, we went to the book of Mark. We had a little side trip. Now we're back on the bus with Matthew because today we start a new series. We're going to go back to the book of Matthew. And our new series is called The Clash. That's right, The Clash. Now, millennials are going to, you know, they're very familiar with the term The Clash from the Clash of Clans, but the old timers, you know, it's the Clash of, of the Titans. So you know your age depending on how you're going to use that word. All right. So for the next few weeks, why the Clash, by the way? Because for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how Jesus clashed with a system that was so broken and so damaged. We're going to talk about the events that led all the way to the crucifixion. Right. The talk title for today is this, Prophet versus Provocateur. Say it like that, provocateur. <laughs> Jesus was actually a provoker, which you're going to learn in the next few weeks. All right, so do join us. Share this live stream right now. But right now, we're also going to start with our declaration of abundance as we come in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's say this together, everybody. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, and healings, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all bless the Word of God as we declare in song. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I want you to get ready, my dear friends. I want you to open your doors, your minds, your hearts to how God is going to move today. And I want you to welcome right now my dear, dear friend, our dear, dear friend, Brother Bo Sanchez. Hi, everybody. I am so happy that you've joined us again at the feast, and I'm praying for an avalanche of blessings for you and your family. Are you ready? Here we go. I want to preach the very simple and yet very powerful message. God wants to restart your life. Can you put your hands over your chest? Just do that and then say this after me. Declare it. God wants to restart my life. Say that again. Say it with conviction. Say it with faith. Say it with trust. God wants to restart my life. Yes. Let's give the Lord a big hand, everybody. Give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Type it down. Type it down. God wants to restart my life right there in the comment section. Okay, here we go. 
uh, let me begin with a story. Way back in the Jurassic era of the 1990s, that's how I feel 1990s would be, like the Jurassic era, I bought for myself my very first vehicle. It was an owner Jeep. And so when you say owner Jeep, that means it was um, in one sense brand new and in another sense as old as General Douglas MacArthur when he returned to the Philippines in 1944. The, the reason I say that is because it's brand new because at least it was newly assembled in Manong's Talier. Uh, but it was old as MacArthur because every single spare part, you know, from, from the windshield to the engine to the, to the shift gear, whatever you call those thingamajigs, you know, it comes from, you know, different scrap vehicles dating back to World War II. So there. And, but one of the things that I loved about my Jeep was its air conditioning. It had strong air conditioning. I actually did that. I actually requested Mano you know, to put doors around my Jeep and then to put the, the strongest aircon ever. And so that's what happened. My air, the air conditioner that he put on the Jeep was really massive. And, and, uh, and I also made it, I painted the Jeep all white. So I called it Ref. So there, it, it, it was wonderful. But you see, the sad thing about my Jeep was that was the only good thing about my Jeep. It's air conditioner. Everything else was a disaster. I'm not kidding. The engine, for example, was so old, so slow, so weak. My top speed was 40 kilometers per hour. <laughs> if I drove anything beyond that, the Jeep would vibrate, would shake so violently. Like while I'm driving, you know, little bolts and little bits of rust would be falling on the road. So much so that I will never be caught um, violating the law of against speeding. No, I, I won't. You know, it will never do that. It will never speed. But I will be caught for littering. So anyway, um, <laughs> you know, there was one time the brakes did not work. Like three times I, I stepped on it, nothing happened. So I had to do it a la Flintstones. I opened the door and stepped on the road. But anyway, we were, I was driving slow. You can't drive fast. So, so in one sense, that was... Um, anyway, um, basically, this is what happened. There was this one time when, um, you know, I really felt matampuhin yung jeep ko. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm, I'm driving and then I look at a nice car and then I, I say to myself, you know, Sana poche na lang binili ko. You know, and then instantly at that moment, my, my, my Jeep just stops, conks out, you know, stops right there. And then I try to restart, nothing happens. And so I have to do this. I have to tap on the, on the dashboard and I have to say, joke lang, I really like you. And then they'll restart. So there was this one time, you know, I would, and then I would always bring it to Manong for repairs, maybe every other week. You know, it, it, they were so frequent, repairing and repairing, that I basically funded the college education of his four children. But there was this one time I just had it. I mean, I was, I was pushing the Jeep more than driving it. My calf muscles were so large already from pushing. So finally, I, I went back to Manong and I said, Manong, if you own this Jeep, what would you do? 
And so what he did was he motioned me away from his talier, about 50 meters away. And I asked him, why are we walking so far going here? You know? And he said, um, may sasabihin ako sa'yo kasi baka marinig ng jeep mo eh. Uh, okay. <laughs> and he said, alam mo, kinukonsensya na ako eh. Kakaka-repair mo, kaka-repair mo. Wala eh. Ang, ang jeep mo, hindi kailangan ng repair. Kailangan niya, posporo. <laughs> And and then he said, uh, anyway, uh, yung bunso ko nakagraduate na ng college, kaya okay na. Thank you, ha, Brother Bo. <laughs> I'm exaggerating my story here. But basically, this is what he said. Brother Bo, bili ka lang ng kotse. And the reason why I tell you my crazy story is because right now, you may be feeling frustrated because what you're trying to do is you're trying to repair this area and that area of your life, fix this area and fix that habit and, and change this and change that when in fact, nothing's happening. And what you need is more than a repair. But I've got good news for you and the good news is this, that God is a God who does not only want to repair your life, he wants a total restart, a total overhaul, a total replacement. And he's talked about this in the book of Ezekiel. This is what God said. And I want you to listen with your heart. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go back to Matthew and we're going to we're going to just expose, you know, what God is trying to do. He really is trying not just to repair, not just to fix, but to give you a new heart. He wants to restart your life. Get ready for the power of God's word to flow into your life. Audi, preach to us. How many of you are in need of a restart in your life right now? Come on and give me a virtual hands up. Maybe you're looking for a chance to start all over again. Or maybe you're looking for a chance to reboot something in your life. Or maybe you just need new beginnings, especially in this time of pandemic. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to make this wild guess that some of you probably experienced a very recent restart in your finances a few days ago. Am I correct? Now, how do I know this? Well, because of Lazada and Shopee 99. You know, back to zero na naman ang sweldo mo. <laughs> Actually, may tawag dyan. Ang tawag dyan, asymptomatic salary. Asymptomatic salary. What is asymptomatic salary? Yung meron kang sweldo, pero di mo naman nararamdaman. <laughs> Come on, type relate if you know what I'm talking about. How many of you are experiencing asymptomatic salaries right now? Oh, I'm just trying to make everybody laugh, you know, in the context of everything that's happening nowadays. But anyway, let's continue with our study of this beautiful passage, all right? Uh, for the next few minutes, I'm going to talk to you about three things that, that Jesus did the moment he arrived in Jerusalem, all right? Let me show you. The first thing that he did was uh, when he walked into Jerusalem. We'll talk about his entrance to Jerusalem. The second thing is the cleansing of the temple. And then the third thing is the cursing of the fig tree. Now, I want you to take note that all these three things were done in a very dramatic fashion, as you're going to see in a moment. But why dramatic? Well, simple. 
because Jesus wanted a dramatic outcome. You know, Jesus didn't just want to repair Jerusalem because it was broken. He wanted to restart the whole nation. And you see, my dear friends, sometimes in life, you think that you need to repair something, so you ask God to repair it. God, repair this relationship, repair this business, repair my heart. But then it doesn't happen no matter how hard you try because maybe, maybe it doesn't need repair. Maybe it needs a restart. All right? If you can relate to this, I want you to type this in. I need a restart, Lord. I need a restart, Jesus. Ah, Let's go to our, our gospel now. We're studying again the book of Matthew, all right? And you know, when you study closely the narrative of Matthew, you are going to notice that he documents this very long journey of Jesus all the way to Jerusalem. For instance, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 20, you know, you see Jesus making his way towards Jerusalem. And then chapter 21 is when he finally enters into the city. But get this, Jesus, he doesn't just arrive. Uh, no, Jesus arrives in fashion, in a grand fashion. Just like Brother Adrian Panganiban, whenever he goes on stage, there's a fog machine. You know, everybody in the city knew all about Jesus' entrance. And he arrives actually during the time of the Passover. Scholars believe that there were about uh, 180,000 people in attendance that day. And you see, this is so different from the low-key Jesus that we see in the chapters before this. Like for example, in chapter 8, when Jesus healed the leper, what did he say? Don't tell anyone. In chapter 9, when Jesus healed those two blind men, what did he say? Don't tell anyone. And then in chapter 16, when Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah and then he transfigured, he also said the exact same things. Don't tell anyone. Now, why is that? Listen to me. Bible scholars actually have a term for this. They call it the messianic secret. They said that for three years, Jesus didn't, didn't want to attract attention to the public, especially to the authorities. So to the Roman authorities and of course the religious leaders. But now in Jerusalem, oh, there was no more hiding. The gloves were coming off. You know, it was go time. So let's go to the story, all right? I want you to go to chapter 21, verse 1. Let's read together. It says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead and he said, Go into the village over there. And then he gave instructions. He said, As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Now, I want you to untie them and then bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, here's a word for you, the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. Check out what Jesus said. He said, the Lord needs them. And you know what? I love that. Why? Because it tells me that the next time I feel unworthy to serve him, whenever I feel like a cheap donkey, I need to remind myself that, hey, the Lord needs me. In fact, why don't you proclaim this out right now in the middle of your insecurity, in the middle of your weakness, in the middle of your imperfection. Somebody shout, the Lord needs me. Hallelujah. That's a beautiful thing to declare, to say that the Lord needs me. And you know, this is actually a very familiar image that we see every uh, Palm Sunday, every Holy Week. You know, the image of Jesus riding on a donkey, entering the streets of Jerusalem while the people welcomed him with open arms, with palm leaves, right? And you know, to, to all of us, this might seem like a simple, convenient thing where Jesus was riding a donkey because he might have been tired from traveling. But you know what? To Jesus, this was a huge statement. It was a big statement and you're going to find out why in a moment, all right? This was a statement that Jesus was making. 
Let's read in verse 4. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and Jesus sat on it. So you see, you know, from this text, it's not very hard to see that Jesus was actually deliberately working it all out intentionally so that the prophecy told by Daniel in the Old Testament so that it would be fulfilled. But here's my question. Why choose a donkey? Why ride on a donkey? I mean, why not ride on a horse, Jesus? It's more prestigious. Was there a shortage of horses during those times? This is a beautiful point, all right? You need to listen to this. In ancient times, a king either rode on a horse or a donkey. Like for example, if a king rode into battle, he would ride on a horse. But if a king rode in peace or for peace, he would ride on a donkey. So you see, by riding on a donkey, Jesus was announcing that, hey, he's a king. But not only that, Jesus was also announcing that he was a king of peace. All right? Jesus wasn't just declaring that, that he was the Messiah that Daniel prophesied about, but he was also declaring that he was a peace-loving Messiah. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. And you know, this is a beautiful message about how, how pride should never be tolerated and humility should always be celebrated, about how brutality should never be commended and that gentleness should always be applauded. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. But yet, you know what? When you think about it, when you really think about it, Jesus came in peace and yet somehow the religious leaders and the authorities considered him to be a pest. He came as a peacemaker, but yet they still branded him as a troublemaker. And you know, sometimes that happens to many of us. It might have even happened to you. you. You had a good intention entering into that company, entering into that family, entering into that organization, into that relationship. But then people saw you differently. So now they treat you with contempt. And if you're experiencing that right now, if you're experiencing unjust maltreatment from people, hey, don't worry. Why? Because Jesus can relate with you. Jesus went through the same thing. You know, the very people who, who applauded him when he entered into Jerusalem, Many days later, they were the ones condemning him to death. All right? Anyway, here's what happens next when Jesus cleanses the temple. It says in verse 12, let's read together. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. I know what some of you are thinking. You know, some of you are thinking, did Jesus have a temper problem? Did Jesus have anger management issues? Not at all, of course, we know that. But you know, modern people will not get this. But this was called actually prophetic street theater. Let me explain it to you. Street theater was a standard tool that prophets used. You know, it was part of their, of their toolbox, for instance. Like the great prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, Hosea, you know, they all used this technique, this thing called theatrics. You know, they were proclaiming their message through this technique. Let me give you one perfect example. If you read Isaiah 20, you will see how the prophet Isaiah, you know, he walked around naked. And I'm glad that I'm not a prophet. I'm just a preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. He did this for, for three years. You know, to, to, to deliver and to emphasize a specific message. He was using, using theatrics 
to deliver a message. Now, I have no idea what kind of message that must have been, but you know, it must have been so important for him to walk around naked for three long years. Okay, so when Jesus cleansed the temple, he did all this drama. That was prophetic theater. All right, remember that Jesus was fighting against the corruption in the temple at that time. Now, being a peace-loving person, you know, it doesn't mean that you tolerate the wrong things that other people do, especially if you witness it. That's why Jesus, you know, he turned the chairs of those who were selling doves. Why? Because doves that were sold before, they were used by, by, by the poor as a sacrificial offering. But you know, the doves being sold in the temple market, they were being sold for 15 to 20 times higher. Guess who owned the stalls? The priests and their families. So instead of helping the poor people, they were making money off of the poor. Now, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like something that's still happening today? You know, there is a rampant corruption in our system right now. And you know, I pray that the hand of God will one day turn the tables on the corrupt and the abusers. I pray that God is going to reform our corrupted system and make it right for all of us. Now, say amen if you agree. We really need to pray for our nation, my dear friends. Oh, and so this brings us now to the last act, the last act where Jesus condemns the fig tree. In verse 18, it, it says here, in the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he noticed the fig tree beside the road. So he went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. And so then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. You know, I think that some of you might even think, hmm, Jesus must have been in a really bad mood that day. I mean, from, from cleansing the temple and now cursing the trees, <laughs> Jesus must have been in a fit that day. But actually, you know what? Those two events, the, 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 the cleansing of the table and the cursing of the tree, they're connected, all right? I'm gonna tell you why in a moment. But, you know, they're very much related in this sense that this action that Jesus did to curse the fig tree, it was very symbolic of the current state of events in Israel back then. Let me explain. Because to the Jews, the fig tree was a symbol of Israel during that time, how Israel was no longer bearing fruits. Now, how is this connected to the cleansing of the temple? Listen to this. Israel, they had a lot of religious activities. I mean, they worshiped the Lord. They had a beautiful temple where people came and offered sacrifices. They had great feasts, like the Passover, where thousands of people would gather, but... It was all appearances. It was just false advertising. In other words, it was just leaves. There were no fruits. There were no figs in them. That's why Jesus, he couldn't repair Israel. He needed to restart it. Now, I want you to be very careful in your life that you think that you also made it, that you have reached success, that you've reached the top, that you've achieved some big things in your life, but only to realize that they might only just be leaves. You know, you might not even be producing real fruits, good godly fruits. That's why you got to really look at the kind of tree that you have to see if you are planted on the right ground with the right foundation because only then you will produce the right fruit. Let me tell you all about the right fruit, my dear friend. Remember Brother Bo's Jeep story that he told a while ago? How he was so happy when his Jeep had really strong and good air conditioning. He was smiling from ear to ear, but then he forgot that there were more important things to keep the jeepney running. Like for example, the engine that, 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 that uh, helped it run. Just like the religious leaders back then, you know, we can make the same mistake with our faith. How? 
when we get too preoccupied with the extras that we actually forget the essentials. I mean, don't get me wrong, all right? Our religious activities are wonderful. But remember this, all religious activities are useless unless you don't bear the fruit of God's love in your life. You know, you can have all the extras in the world, but they will mean nothing if you don't have the essentials, if you don't have the love of God in your life. I said this before and I'll say it again. The greatest purpose in life is to serve others. The greatest purpose that you will ever have is to serve others. So maybe today is the time that you will realign your purpose from selfishness to selflessness. It's time to die for yourself every day. Die to yourself rather. Die to your spouse. Die to your children. It's time to die to your family, to die to your loved ones because that's what Jesus did. He died in order that we may live. 2 Corinthians says this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, anyone who belongs in Christ or to Christ has become a new creation. The old is gone, a new life has begun. Receive Jesus in your life today and you will receive new life, a new beginning, a fresh start. Let Jesus restart your life today. Are you ready to respond to the Lord, my dear friend? Let's come to worship him. I want us to respond in spirit and truth and worship the Lord with all that we have. I want you to bow down your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment that you have given us to speak over our life and to realize, Lord, that we don't need to repair some of the things. We need to restart it, especially when it needs to be start, restarted in a dramatic way because some things are no longer working. So give us the courage and the confidence and the sensitivity to know when to restart that thing. We bow down to your sovereignty, to your grace, and to your full control over our life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.